0: You know, I was thinking about while we were worshiping. You know, worship is about God. It's not about us, just be honest with you. It's, a, it's not, is the worship acceptable to us? We're, our, our question is, is the worship acceptable to God? And when hearing all those praises in his name rolling off the lips of his children, what a beautiful sound. Amen? Amen. Amen read to you from the scriptures this morning before you take us to eat. Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 24, which is where we're going this morning. This the scripture tells us, Paul says, um, "...for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will remain mean fruitful labor for me, for I do not know which to choose. But I am hard-pressed from both directions." Having a desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is is very much better. Yet to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we just come before you this morning, Lord, with open hearts, giving you praise, giving you worship. You, You are the object, Lord Jesus, of our worship this morning. And God, we just thank you that we can come and bow before the Lord our God and give you all the praise, give you all the worship. And Lord, as we get into your word, speak to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen. 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 You may have a seat. And if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. And my buddy Paul will give you a Bible. And it's yours to keep if you don't have one. One over here. Last week, uh, this is week three of um, Philippians chapter one. This is, this is our, our final week in, in Philippians chapter one. And I don't know if you remember last Sunday's message or not, but last Sunday's message was, uh, what was your passion? What is your driving force in life? And we answered that question last week, and we, we saw that the, the apostle Paul, his driving force was the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was Jesus He wanted Jesus Christ to be magnified in his life. He wanted him to be exalted. He wanted his gospel to spread no matter what. Even if it meant Paul being imprisoned between two guards and chained. So this week, I want us to pick up in Philippians chapter 1 at verse 21. At verse 21. So we looked at his greatest passions. And let me ask you this morning, what is your greatest passion in life? If you could name Two of the things that drive you in life, what are they? What are the, your two greatest passions? What, what brings you joy? What, what brings you satisfaction in life? Paul, in our text this morning, he's going to give us his greatest passion. But here's the deal, according to verse 21. Paul's struggling. He can't decide which one is number one and which one is number two. He's wrestling between the two. And it's like um, it's like it's like your Christmas list, you know. You ever give a a Christmas list to your mom and dad or to your spouse, and you can't decide the order? And they say to you, "Well, which one do you want more?" And you're like, "I don't know." Well, that's what Paul's going through in this passage this morning. He's wrestling with his two greatest um, desires. Let's look at it, verse 21. And by the way. My, my whole teaching this morning is, is going to center around verse 21, because we're going to read verse 21, and then I believe that verses 22 through 30 is a commentary on verse 21. Amen? So let's look at it. Paul, Paul is, is wrestling. He's, he's, he says in verse 21 For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. He states his two passions. The two things that are before him. But what you need to know this morning is Paul understood the gospel. He understood the gospel. He knew that because of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, that death was not the end. But in these next two verses, verse 22 and 23, he's going to express his um, internal struggle. Let's take a look at it. He says in verse 22, But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. For I do not know which to choose, but I am hard pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. So Paul is struggling. He's struggling with wanting to go home and be with Jesus and staying to serve the body. Those were, the gospel was his driving passion, but within that passion, his heart's desire was to either go to be with the Lord. Or serve the body. And what I want to do this morning in my teaching, in my verse-by-verse teaching through verses 21 through 30, is I want to explore what Paul is saying in verse 21. Look at verse 21. He He makes two statements I want to look at. The first one is, to live as Christ. What does that mean, to live as Christ? We today, in our language, could say, to live for Christ, I believe is what Paul is saying. But he's saying to live as Christ. And the second statement he makes in this passage is, he says, "To die is gain." So I want to explore those two phrases. These are the two things that Paul is wrestling with in um, verses 21 through 23. Amen. So let's look at it. The first phrase, the first phrase, or you could say, uh, Paul's first desire. Actually, he says in verse tw- um, 21, he says, "For me to live as Christ." And because our text covers that a lot, we're going to go over the second portion um, first, which he, which he says there, to die is gain. So the first phrase in verse 21 that we want to look at, he says, to die is gain. Now I want you to think about that for a minute. To die is gain. To the natural mind, that is an oxymoron. To say to die, to pass away, is gain. That makes no sense to the natural human mind. Let me just say, I hate death. I hate death. It's unnatural. It, it breaks our heart. You know, I'm going through my father. My father right now is in the late stages of cancer and I was with, I was with him at the hospital. And this week I was, um, I was feeding him. And that was hard to, to see my father in his situation, not be able to lift his food to his mouth. But watching my father slowly passed away. It's difficult. I don't like it. It's unnatural. We love one another. We love our family. We want to be with them. We don't want to see people pass away. And to me, it just makes no sense until you inject the gospel into a person's life. And when you inject the Bible and the message of eternal life and salvation, it radically changes the definition of dying. It radically changes it. That's why I love the Bible. The Bible answers our deepest questions. It answers life's deepest questions. And the, the, one of the biggest ones it answers is, what happens at death? What happens at death? Why is Paul able to say in verse 21, to die is gain? Why is he able to say die is gain? This is the theme of scripture. It starts in John chapter 14. John chapter 14, the night before Jesus was betrayed, this this is what he told his disciples. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. And if it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be so this is Jesus' opening and going to prepare us a place he, he says in um, verse 2 it says in my father's house there are many dwelling places the greek word for place is topos it means a literal place marked off by boundaries and jesus says to his disciples on the eve he says i'm going to prepare a place in other words after my resurrection from the dead i'm going to leave planet earth and i'm going to prepare a place uh this he says here in the text that is my my father's house and then later on he gives us that most one of the most profound statements in the bible in john 14:6, where he says i am the way the truth and the life and not only is jesus the way the truth and life but the truth of heaven It's truth. It is life. And Jesus is the way to get there. Then, in Acts chapter 14, Paul is preaching the gospel at Lystra. And some Gentiles and Jews got very upset with Paul. They dragged him outside the city and they stoned him. Later on, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he describes this. There it is. Paul is describing this event that happened to him at Lystra where he is stoned. The disciples stood around him. God raises him up. But in that moment of being stoned, he has this out-of-body experience. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or out of the body I do not know. God knows. Such a man was caught up to the, what does it say? The third heaven. Our Bible, God's word, teaches three heavens. The first heaven is the atmosphere around the earth. It's where the birds are. It's where the planes fly. Is we have this blue, nice, beautiful blue canopy that encircles the earth. And that's called the first heaven. The second heaven is that of the universe, the stars, the galaxies, outer space. But then the Bible tells us here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, there is a place called the third heaven. The third heaven. And that is where Jesus is talking about, where he says, I where he said in John chapter 14, I go to prepare a place. This place called the, the, uh, Revelations chapter 21 calls it the new Jerusalem, the third heaven, the holy city. I don't have my text, but if you, later on you can look over at Revelations chapter 21. And John says, I saw the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven um, from God prepared for the bride. So there is this place called heaven. There's this place called heaven that exists today that awaits every believer in Jesus Christ, every person that's been born again. And that's why Paul says in our text this morning, he says, to die is gain. Because he has had this out-of-body experience that that happened in Acts chapter 14, that he describes it in, in Corinthians, that this glorious, this magnificent. So he says, hey, you kill me? Fine. I'm going to be with my Jesus I'm going to be in this place called heaven. Look down at verse 23 of Philippians chapter 1. He says in verse 23, "But I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, to be with Christ where he's gone to prepare a place." And he says, "And for that is much better." Why is why is why is this place much better because it's glorious, it's indescribable, it's magnificent. And most important thing about heaven, what makes heaven so glorious and beautiful and awesome? And Paul says to die is gain is because Jesus, the Lamb of God, is there in the Father's presence in this place called heaven. Paul was in this sin-ridden world. He was enchained for the gospel. He was in a dungeon. And he's like, hey, it can't get no worse than this. But I'm looking forward to the glory of heaven. And that's why Paul says in verse 21 of Philippians chapter 1, he says, to die is gain. Paul also says in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, he says, for we are of good courage, I say, and prefer. He says, we prefer. In other words, this is better. The same thing he's saying in Philippians chapter 1. To be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. There's two parts of you. There's your physical body. That's that part we can feel, touch, see. Then there's the spiritual side of you. And when the physical body dies, the spiritual body continues. It goes into eternity. And that's why he says to be absent from the body. Meaning Paul's looking at himself himself. Knowing that he's a soul, that he's a spirit, that's who he really is on the inside, that that part of him will go to be with the Lord. My question for you this morning is this, do you long for eternity? Do you long for eternity? It's going to be glorious. It's going to be magnificent. It's going to be awesome. I think for some of us, and maybe me included, that I'm going to get to heaven and I'm going to be like just blown away. Like, Wow. It is so awesome, so magnificent. You know, we, we hear these talks of uh, s- playing harps and, uh, and floating through the clouds and, and, and playing instruments in, in the clouds. None of that is biblical. None of that is biblical. The Bible says that Je- Jesus says, I've gone to prepare a place, and it's a place called heaven. The Scripture calls it the third heaven. It calls it the new Jerusalem. Uh, Jesus calls it paradise but it's a glorious place. And that is what gave Paul his strength. Death, here's the deal. In Paul's mind, death for the believer was not a defeat. Death for the believer is not a defeat. He says there in the text, he said it is a gain. Death for the believer is a graduation. It's a graduation. What do we, want to, we want to hear those, those, those words that we all want to hear. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into the promise of your father. That's our desire, and that is the first half of, that was, uh, remember I said Paul's passion was the gospel, but he he has this wrestling going on within him, and one is, I want to go home to be with the Lord, which is what we just looked at, the first half of this verse, and the second part is, I want to stay, and I want to serve the body, and I want other people to experience this joy. Paul's like, I don't want to just keep it to myself. I, I want to preach the gospel. I want to share the gospel, and let other people know this same joy. So let's look at the second phrase. The second phrase in verse twenty-one is—it's um, actually the, the first half of the verse. He says, "For me to live is Christ." This was the second part of Paul's passion. We can rephrase that today as to live for Christ. That's what Paul is basically saying. He says, hey, if I'm going to live on in this body, if I'm going to live on in this life, I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to live for the cause of Christ. Now, the question that we want to look at this morning is, what does that look like? What does that look like according to the text that is before us? So let's take a look at it. Let's pick it up at verse 24 where Paul, the Apostle Paul, starts describing what it means to live Christ or to live is Christ he says in verse 24 um, yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake convinced of this I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again I want to give you four definitions this morning Four definitions of what it means to live for Christ or to what, what, live, what live as Christ means according to our passage. And the first one this morning, the first definition when he says to live as Christ, it means this. It means we invest in other people. We invest in other people. We, we take what God has done in our life and the ministry that God has given us and we spread it to other people. That's what he's when, when you say, I want to live, when you when you make that proclamation, I want to live for Jesus, one of those statements that you should be saying is, I want to invest in other people. I want to help other people. What does it mean to invest in other people? The Christian life is not about focusing on ourselves. It's, it's not about you, it's not about me, it's not about I. It's first it's about Christ, and then it's about focusing on other people. It's called investing, investing in the kingdom. It comes through evangelism, through uh, evangelism, discipleship, just helping other people in the name of Christ. And you don't have to be, have all these gifts and skills and be a super extrovert. You just got to be willing to want to help people, want to help come along someone in your church, in your neighborhood, in your family, at home, and just help them in the name of Christ. Help them through life. Help them come through a Bible study. Help them come to know um, the Lord Jesus Christ. We call it um, building the kingdom when we help other people. You know, um, our goal, our heart, should be able to, that we want to say is we want to spend our life making sure other people know Christ. Because that's the only thing that's going to last. Our money our education, our talents, it's all one day going to go away. And only what's done in the name of Christ will last throughout eternity. Man, I, 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 trust me, I get it. We got careers, we got jobs, we got to take care of our family, we got to pay our bills. I get that. I understand that. I'm with you but make sure you're carving out part of your life and part of your, um, your time to do ministry and to help other people. It doesn't mean you have to lead a Bible study. It, it could just mean uh, witnessing to someone. It could just be encouraging someone. It could be simply texting someone. This week, hold on one second, this week was a really tough week for me. Just a lot of stuff I was going through. And, um, There's a brother here in the church. He didn't, um, I don't don't know if he knew what I was going through or not, but he sent me a text. And uh, I I just kept having to read it. I kept reading it every couple days. But uh, uh, everything I was going through with my father and my family and our families, it was was a very challenging week mentally and spiritually. And a brother sent me a text. He says, uh, um, let's see here. Hey, brother, praying that you and Irene will more deeply know the God of all comfort as you minister to your families and feel the abundant comfort that is ours in Jesus. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with a comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. And he gave me the passage, and that so lifted my spirit. That so lifted my heart. Yes, the pastor needs encouragement too. Excuse me, if I ran out of air there. The pastor needs encouragement too. You know, we all need encouragement. But it's just it's that simple. It's that simple. That's, that's what it means to invest in other people's lives and, 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 and to help them. It could be texting, it could be a word of encouragement, it could just be helping other people along the way. And uh, I think it was, uh, it was either last night or the night before. I woke up. Well, I can't say I woke up. I was dozing in and out, and about 1 a.m., I got my phone out and had to read it again just to help settle my mind. But just very thankful for that brother who sent that to me. Very encouraging that um, he was able to minister to me. He was able to, as as the text says, invest in other people's lives, help them along the way in in their journey in pursuing the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's look at verse 27. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. I want to stop right there. I see the second definition of what it means to live as Christ in the first half of verse 27. He says, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy worthy of the gospel of Christ. The second definition is this. It means we live what we believe. We live what we believe. In other words, we follow in the footsteps of our Savior. We have experienced God's mercy. We display mercy. We experience God's compassion in our life, His compassion on us by His Holy Spirit. We display that compassion to the world. We... Those are the things that the Holy Spirit does in our life, but also in our hearts and in our physical life. We obey God. We obey God. We obey what is written in his word. We we always, our ultimate allegiance is to Jesus Christ. And when you say that your allegiance is to Jesus Christ, you're saying that your allegiance is to his word because his word is inspired by him. His word is, is Him speaking to you in your devotion, in your quiet time, in the preaching, in the teaching, in the Bible study. And that is our devotion. But, our, but the second definition, it means we, we, we live what we believe. We, we, we take this knowledge by the Holy Spirit. The Holy, actually, the, I'm sorry, we. Actually, the Holy Spirit does it. The Holy Spirit takes what you read in your Bible. And he applies it to your life. And he gives you the ability to live it out in your everyday life. So to live for Christ means we live what we believe. Now let's continue on in verse 27 after he says the gospel of Christ there. He says, So that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel verse 28 in no way alarmed by your opponents which is a sign of destruction for them but of salvation for you and that too from god here in this text before us i see our third definition what it what it means to live as christ or what it means to live for christ it means this we stand firm we stand firm we, we stand firm in everything the Bible teaches. And this is how we honor Christ. This is how we honor Christ. When we tell someone in this world in a spirit of love and a spirit of truth that marriage is between a man and a woman or abortion is wrong or something theological, there's only, no, there's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. We're not being legalistic. We're not le- being legalistic we're not being a Pharisee, we're not being judgmental, what we're doing is we're standing firm. We're standing firm on what the Bible says. And that's a great place to be. And that's what it means to live for Christ. It means that, okay, now that I'm living for Christ, uh, or as Paul says, to live is Christ, I'm going to stand firm on what the Bible teaches. Every, it's going to change. Our culture, the world, it's going to change every couple years, every ten years. It, it changes constantly, but there's one thing that doesn't change, and that's the Bible, God's word. And when, you say you're going to, when we say we're going to live as Christ, to live as Christ, we're saying that we're going to stand firm. That's the third definition that I present to you this morning of uh, what it means to live as Christ. And check this out. It may cost you. It may cost you. I can't say that it's, it's going to be easy peasy and all is well when you take a firm stand for Christ. It may cost you and it could cost you dearly. Look at verse 29. He says, for to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also, what does it say? To suffer for his sake. Now what does Paul mean here in this passage of to suffer for his sake. Look at the next verse. He 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 explains what he's talking about. Experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. Standing firm for the apostle Paul cost him what? It cost him imprisonment. And that's his point of verses 29 and 30 that he says, "Hey, I stood firm in the gospel back when I was in Jerusalem and I got arrested. I got a, I got a Arrested, I got placed in a jail in Caesarea for two years. Two years sitting in, in, a, in a prison cell. That had to be rough. And then he gets transferred to Rome, and he sits for another two years. Why? Because he would not bend on the gospel. He would not bend on the truth of Scripture. And that's what it means to live as Christ. That's what it means to live. Um, just to, to, to stand firm. The, the fourth definition, looking at verses 29 and 30 that I present to you this morning, to live for Christ, it is this. It means you could suffer. You could suffer loss. It could be a job opportunity. It could be a position. You know, the biggest one I think about you all know about is, is Tim Tebow. You know, he, made a, he went to the NFL. He made a firm stand. He took the Broncos to the playoffs. And took him all the way to almost beat the Patriots, but they didn't. But he was, he was ousted. He, he was, many of the NFL players in the NFL said, man, you need to zip this talk about Christ and zip this talk about Jesus. And I believe it cost him his career in the NFL. It could cost you and your family. It could cost you and your family. There's a gentleman that's here this morning that's sitting in our fellowship listening to this teaching that after he, after he got saved he turned around and began to witness to his mom and dad. They didn't like that. And they excommunicated him. They, they, they cut him off. They, they said to him, I believe he told me what he says. He says, they, they said to him, you are dead. All because he became a Christian and he went back to witness to his mom and dad. And they said, they're having no part of this. That happens, folks. That happens in this world. You know, it happens on, a, on that kind of scale here in our world today, but it also happens around the world with Christians suffering in these other countries where, where Christianity is illegal, and they're in prison for the gospel. It happens. People, will, people do suffer in our world, some at a greater scale, some at a lesser scale, but you will take some heat. For your faith in Christ. But here's the good good news I got for you this morning. If you suffer for the gospel of Jesus Christ, guess what, my friend? You're in good company. Because Jesus stood for, he he came, proclaimed the truth because he is the truth. And what did they do to him? They nailed him to a cross. The apostle Paul, he preached the gospel. He stood on the truth. What did they do to him? They imprisoned him. Okay, so you're in good company. You're in good company. Jesus warned that not all people will, will, will welcome our message. Now, we always present our message in a spirit of grace, in a spirit of truth, in a spirit of love, but not all people will accept that message. Some people you will find in life, they will get hostile. Jesus warned, to, warned of it. Listen to John chapter 15. Jesus said, John 15, 18, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. And he says these words to his disciples, and they ring through to 2019 to us today. John uh, fifteen twenty, He says, remember the word that I said to you. Remember this, Jesus says. Let this carry forth and he says a slave is not greater than his master if they persecute me they will persecute you also now the persecution will come when you, when there's a resistance when when you, when you make a stand and you go against the flow it it will happen that's what i present to you this morning that's what it means uh verses um 22 to 30 is, is one of the greatest commentaries on what it means to live for Christ. As what Paul says in verse 21, he says, for, To me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. To die is gain means you can destroy this body, but I'm going to be with Jesus. Secondly, to live as Christ means four things that, that I see in the text this morning. One, we invest in other people. We help other people along the way. Brother, how can I help you? Let's get a cup of coffee, and and let's talk about those things that you're going through, man. Let's meet at Starbucks tonight, and and let me pray with you, and let me talk with you, and let me help you. Let me be that ear, and let me be that one praying for you. We live what we believe. We, We stand firm on the Bible. With all the Christians that have gone on before us, we stand firm, and we live what we believe. Number three okay no sorry number 2 is we live what we believe number 3 is we stand firm and then finally we understand that it can come at a cost and god bless you and praise the lord if you haven't had to endure hardships for um believing in christ for trusting in christ but but do know that it could come it could come from employment it could come from jobs it could come from people just just by you being a Christian, the world, you know, you can uh, be confirmed, you can be baptized, you can become a member, you know, they're all cool with that, that's totally cool, but you start talking about being born again, and following Jesus, and discipleship, man, that, that makes the hair on people's, back of people's neck stand up, when you start having those kind of conversations, but it's the truth, it's the truth of what the scripture says, amen? I hope hope you've been encouraged this morning by the verse-by-verse teaching through Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 30. And man, take this home, man. Take this and go home this afternoon and meditate on the scripture, meditate on the passage. And my hope and my prayer is that God uses this to help you to be able to say, you know what? If I'm going to live, I'm going to live for Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that's been set before us. Thank you for the plate that you've given us of food from studying your word. Lord, I pray for your people now. Lord, that we will go out of here with a new passion, a new desire. To say in our hearts and to say to you, Lord, to live is Christ. To to live this life, I'm going to live it for you. And, Lord, for those of us who um, have loved ones or or where there's death around us, Father, I pray that we'll be encouraged to know that even death you've defeated and you've given us the victory. So, Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for this um, study in your word. In Jesus' name I pray, Father.